Well, good morning to you again, and pray that you had a blessed and wonderful Thanksgiving. If the pilgrims were alive today, now this is only about the seventh or eighth year in a row I've told this joke, so I'm seeing if you were paying attention. If the pilgrims were alive today, what would they be known for? Their age, but in a way. <laughs> what jumps, what can jump higher, a turkey or a building? A turkey, because buildings can't jump. See, when I used to tell those jokes to my grandkids, they would giggle and they would laugh and, and they would think those that I ought to go on stage. Now they just roll their eyes and avoid me. Uh, but I love those two jokes. I love those jokes. But I do pray that you had a blessed and wonderful Thanksgiving. I have been blessed beyond measure. As a matter of fact, that should be my theme song. That song that Ginger Pitchers, uh, who sings with the Lesters from time to time, uh, Brian's sister, she sings a song called I've Been Blessed Beyond Measure. That song should be my theme song. How do you measure the ocean? How do you measure the sea? How do you measure the blessings he has given to you and to me? Those are glorious words, and how absolutely true they are. Matter of fact, I think Ephesians 3.20 epitomizes or should epitomize our feelings at Thanksgiving. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Thank God for that verse. That I worship a God who is absolutely capable of that scripture. Somebody gave Faye a little plaque that she puts, I think it's in the kitchen now. It's sort of like the elf in the shelf. I, it just seems to move around a lot, but which that's okay. Uh, but the plaque says, <laughs> I got to look. The plaque says, when I count my blessings, I count you twice. I've always liked that plaque, especially when I think of this church, when I think of this congregation, when I think of my family, when I think of my friends, and I count you all in both of those categories. We count you as our family. We count you as our friends. And when we count you, we count you twice because you have blessed us beyond measure. And I thank you so much for that. I believe that Thanksgiving, well, it is an American holiday, right? Thanksgiving is an American holiday. 
I guess it's really only observed in this country, but I'd like to see it globally. Matter of fact, I think every believer, every believer, regardless of where they live, should on a daily basis be thankful for all that God has done in their life and excited about thanking God for His blessings because, folks, we have been blessed beyond measure. Thanksgiving should just go global in believer's life every single day. We should be praising God. We should be giving thanks because praise and thanksgiving go together. Look at Psalm 100. Psalm 100. I remember, and I still can, I remember when I was in the first grade. My first grade teacher's name was Mrs. Teeple. She was, she was old, I think in her 40s, when I was in the first grade. But the thing that I remember about Mrs. Teeple in public school is that's where I learned to say the Pledge of Allegiance is in the first grade. That's where I learned my right from my left because you had to put your right. And I learned where my heart was. All those important things I learned in the first grade from Mrs. Teeple. One of the other things that this public school teacher made sure of is that her class learned Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. I wonder as she was teaching that, is the, if the last part of that verse was her heart's cry. That as they learned this, this was the first scripture I ever learned. She had no idea the impact that that was going to have on those snotty-nosed kids who didn't want to take naps, who had smelly carpets, who were rambunctious, But she taught us that psalm. And his truth endures to all, endureth to all generations. Wow. I praise God for Mrs. Teeple. Way back all those years ago. Then after that, someone introduced me to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Drop down to verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works 
to the children of men. Look at verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Verse 13. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 15, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 31, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, over and over and over again, the Word of God encourages His people to praise Him, to be thankful, and to understand that that is what it is that God declares Himself to inhabit, the praises of His people. He wants us to praise Him. He wants us to be thankful. He wants us to be joyful in who we are in Christ Jesus. Praise and thanksgiving go together. Do you know, do you know that a heart that is filled with thanksgiving, that is filled with praise, that's filled with thanksgiving and praise, doesn't have room for depression, doesn't have room for anxiety. If your heart's full of praise and thanksgiving, there's no room for anxiety and worry in a heart that's praising God. A thankful soul, a thankful soul cannot harbor resentment or anger or malice. You ever thought about that? A thankful soul, there's no room. Thanksgiving and praise just pushes that out. Praise and grumpiness just can't occupy the same space. And I'm sure my wife will remind me that I said that at some point, but that's okay. You have my permission. Praise and grumpiness cannot occupy the same space. Thankfulness and bitterness cannot coexist. Thankfulness and bitterness can't coexist. Unfortunately, unfortunately, bitterness can taste just as good as thankfulness. You ever thought about that? Bitterness can taste just as good, just as sweet, can be just as satisfying as thankfulness. At the beginning, at first. But what bitterness will do is it will curdle inside you. Bitterness causes rot, I'm convinced. And bitterness, and I'm speaking from experience when I say this, bitterness you don't have to work at. You ever notice that? Bitterness just seems to come easy. Bitterness just seems to flare easily. Thankfulness, you have to work at. It has to be a conscious decision. 
Thankfulness, on the other hand, takes effort. But it's thankfulness that rejuvenates the heart, where bitterness and malice and being unthankful, it just squeezes all the life out of your heart, out of your soul. Thankfulness settles and calms the mind. It doesn't fester. It feasts on the goodness of God. Matter of fact, Proverbs 15:50 says, "A merry heart does continually feast on the goodness of God." A thankful heart, a thankful heart. And I hope you all had thankful hearts. And if we took time this morning to start counting our blessings, I'm sure a bunch of you, just after this weekend and after Thursday and all the things that you've, you enjoy, you would want to stand and you would want to, to share the goodness of God and how merciful and how gracious and how blessed you are. And a thankful heart is tied to knowing the will of God for your life. Did you know that? That a thankful heart, being giving of thanks, is tied to the will of God. You want to know the will of God, then thanksgiving is where you start. Thanksgiving is where you start. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. Not most things, not some things. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. You're wondering what God's will is for your life? That's where you start giving of thanks being grateful for what you have, for the fact that God is working in your life and molding and shaping, and everything give thanks. But look at Ephesians chapter 5. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's admonition to us is to be thankful in all things and for all things. Now, we've preached on that before. We've talked about that before. And we've explained before what those verses are indicating. But this being Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving at some point you hear about squanto. Remember, you know who Squanto is? Squanto was the Indian that basically saved the day for the pilgrims. When they landed, had it not been for Squanto, the Indian, they would have perished. They would have all died. As it was, quite a few of them did die. But it was Squanto that came walking up and greeted them in English Knowing the Lord Jesus. How in the world did that happen? Well, it's Squanto 
that I think really proves 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, give thanks. I think the story of Squanto is a story that points to the truth and the credibility of that verse. Do you know that when Squanto was a young man, he was captured and he was sold into slavery and taken to Europe? He was sold into slavery in Spain, and some monks purchased him and freed him. And it was through these monks that he converted to Christianity. It was through these monks that he came to know the Lord Jesus. And it was through their graciousness and their kindness that he was able to make his way to England with the hope someday of getting back to America. And lo and behold, in English, in England, guess what he learned to speak? The same language that the pilgrims are going to speak when they land at Plymouth Rock. But I can imagine that Squanto wasn't thanking God in the whole of that ship as they sailed across the Atlantic. I'm sure that there was not gladness, there was not joy in his heart. So in fact, the story is he actually got captured twice. But also while he was gone, and you say, well, how, 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 how does that measure up? How, how does that fit in with 1 Thessalonians 5? 18. While he was gone, not only did he come to know the Lord, not only did he learn English, while he was gone, his entire village was decimated by a plague that swept through. Decimated. When he came back from England as an interpreter, and he went to find his tribe, they were all gone. Had he not been captured, sold into slavery, taken to Europe, you know what would have happened to Squanto? The same thing that happened to his village. Now, folks, it wasn't good that he was kidnapped. It wasn't good that he was sold into slavery. It wasn't God who made that happen. God did not orchestrate that. But where those evil men, sort of like Joseph, that he told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God uses it to glorify his name. So while he's gone, his entire village is wiped out. Can you imagine when the pilgrims basically destitute, not sure if they're going to survive the winter. They'd gotten blown off course. Where they were supposed to have landed would have been quite a bit warmer than in Massachusetts in November. This English-speaking, believing Indian comes up and basically saves the day according to Governor Bradford. Gives the credit, well, gave the credit to God, but he thanked him for Squanto. 
Ephesians, I mean, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. I remember years ago, there was a song that came out, uh, Andre Crouch. I don't know if you remember Andre Crouch. sang a song called Through It All. Through It All. And the words of that song says, Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. I thank Him for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys. And had I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that He could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God can do. Now, that's not Bible, but I think those words are godly. And they are true. I'd never know what faith in God could do if it weren't for the valleys, if it weren't for the times that we call out to God. We trust Him through it all, trusting in His Word, trusting that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them or the called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28, we can trust God. We can be thankful. We can praise Him in all things. We can thank Him for all things. And the only reason for that is because God is in control. A thankful life, a life of praise, a life of adoration, a life where the believer just bubbles over with enthusiasm for who they are in Christ glorifies the Lord, exalts Him. How to be thankful. Maybe that's what I should have entitled this, this sermon. I forgot now what I did entitle it. But how to be thankful even though and then you fill in the blank. How to be thankful, even though there's a death, there's a divorce, there's an injury, there's a disease, there's some mishap. How to be thankful, even though I think the only way that's possible is we trust God through it all. Lord, you're in control of my life. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Lord, you call the shots. You direct, you lead, you call the shots in my life. Being thankful takes effort. It's a conscious decision on your part, knowing knowing that really it's eternity that counts. It's eternity that counts. Things happen in our lives. We 
where we should be thankful. As a matter of fact, I read a quote from C.S. Lewis, and I'm trying to think of how it goes, but it was one of the most wonderful quotes. And I put it in my phone, and my phone's upstairs in my briefcase. But the quote was sort of like, The fact that we have troubles and distresses and issues here means that we weren't built for this world. Aren't you glad of that? The fact that we stumble and we fall and the curse has been pronounced and it makes it difficult living just proves that we were not created for this world. And there's one coming where we can trust Him. The only kind of counseling that I know to do, that I want to do, the only kind of counseling, uh, secular counseling, I detest. There are no answers there. It might give the person some things to do, but it's not going to solve anything. The only type of counseling I know is counseling that is based on the Word of God. Do this, and there are answers. Apply the Word of God to any problem and watch and see what occurs. There's healing. There's victory. And the first thing when people come and want counseling and they have different issues, the first thing that I tell them to do when they say, what should I do about this? I'll say, give thanks for it. Oh, that's too heavy. But that's what God's Word says. While you're going through this, Thank God in all of this. Thank God in everything. Apply God's holy word to whatever the issue is. And I'm not saying, poof, it's going to go away. I'm not saying, abracadabra, it's out of your life, out of your system. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying then you're approaching it from a very godly, biblical, spiritual realm and watch what God can do. There used to be a lady that would come here to church who had suffered, suffered beyond measure, suffered beyond measure. She would cry when she would share some of her life story and the things that she had gone through and had been done to her and the pain and the disease that she dealt with, she would come and just tears, tears would just flow. I didn't know what to do and say about her EDS, did I, Janet? I didn't know what to say about all the other things that burdened her down. And she would leave here without help, without hope, until Janet just start thanking God for the EDS, 
and the CRPS and all the other things. Lord, I thank you for it. I don't know how you're going to use it, but thank you for it. And I would ask Janet to stand up and do a jig, but she would, so I'm not going to ask her to do it. Why did those things happen to Janet? Why did she have to live through those? I have, I have no idea. I know she pursued two things. She pursued God's will for her life, and she thanked him through all of that. She learned to be thankful. And she also learned about that PMF mat that she has just told all of us about it, right? But it worked. So why did God allow her to go through all that? I don't know, but let me tell you this. Just a few weeks ago, she was asked to fly out to California and tell people about the PMF, did I spell that right? The PMF mat. They heard a little bit about that, but you know what they heard about? The Lord Jesus. A room full of people. You know who she gave the credit to, the glory to? It was to God. Folks, I can't tell you why she has EDS and CRPS and all those other alphabets. I can't tell you. But I can tell you this. From a thankful heart, God is glorified. And that's the way He wants us to serve Him. Not depending on our circumstances, depending on Him. Trusting Him. I don't know about you, but her testimony is so vivid and alive to me. And I appreciate it so very much. But I know in 1994, and maybe you guys are sick and tired of hearing about it, but I can tell you this. In 1994, when Faye and I were at Circle J Ranch, and we got kicked out on our heads, we got turned loose and treated horribly, we got pitched out. It was brutal. It was devastating. Painful. Painful. Still don't understand it, except we learn to praise God and we thank Him. I wouldn't be here today were it not for what happened back then. Now, some of you may be going, <laughs> Why did that have to happen? I don't know. But I can tell you this. God is faithful. And regardless of what you're going through, what you're dealing with, what the issue is, God is a faithful God who loves you, who desires to be glorified, and He and He alone is worthy of being glorified. What I've learned and you can quote me, because I'm quoting somebody else, so you can quote me. What I've learned so often when things are falling apart for the believer, things are really just falling into place. Just falling into place. And we can trust God through all of that. Back to Psalm 103. 
Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's what God wants us doing as believers in Him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Verse 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. Verse 14, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Folks, that's why I'm saying we're built for eternity, not for just this pain and these difficult times here. We are made for eternity. And we can trust him. Verse 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Amen and amen and amen. His blessings are so plenteous. His mercy is so glorious. His grace is so amazing. He loves me. That shows you right there what a merciful God He is. And if you question that, then think about this. He loves you. He loves you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life to glorify Him. What is my purpose in life? It is to glorify God. It is to exalt Him. That's your purpose in life, believer. Your purpose as a member of the body of Christ is to glorify God in the ages to come, to show the exceeding riches of his grace. Do you want it any other way? My purpose in life is to be a football player. My, just, my purpose in life is to be president. My purpose in life is to nothing worldly. That's not what God's purpose. He can use you in those, especially as believing president right now. But those things, those are earthly God has an eternal purpose, and that is you. You, in the ages to come, might show the exceeding riches of His grace. We've talked about this so often. God is going in eternity to come. He is going to point at the church, the body of Christ, that is around the throne. 
And He is going to point to you as an example of how gracious He is. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of that? You will be if by faith you trust Christ. Believe that He died for you so that you can be there amidst that throng. That He was buried for you so that you can be there. Believe that He rose again so that you can be there in Him. Boy, what a plan of salvation.